0: Welcome to this episode of Inside the NCAA, the AMA Experience. My name is Chris Johnson, and I'm Associate Director for Academic and Membership Affairs. Our goal is to provide you insight on what we in AMA encounter on a daily basis. We will have subject matter experts from the national office and the membership to discuss hot topics affecting all three NCAA divisions. For today's episode, we have Emily Capehart, an Associate Director for Academic and Membership Affairs, and lead of the NCA Division I AMA legislative team. Emily's gonna to talk to us today about the new legislative pilot process. Emily, how you doing today?
1: I'm good, Chris, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Before we dive into this legislative pilot process, let's talk about your role in the national office and, and your role within AMA.
1: Sure, happy to. I've been at the national office in AMA for um, 10 years. As you mentioned, Chris, I'm currently Um, one of the leads that works closely with the Division I legislative process, but I also am involved with the transfer waiver team with you and as well as just general kind of academic eligibility issues. Before I came to the national office, I was a former student athlete in college. I went to Brown University where I was on the track and field team and uh, following that worked for a few years uh, prior to going to law school. And while I was in law school, I really reflected on my experience as a student athlete and hoped there was a way for me to segue professionally into using my legal background um, in, in an athletic arena. And fortunately, I had some mentors at law school who work in the athletics administration who encouraged me to think about the NCAA and the national office, which previously had not been on my radar. And so that helped me connect again with some individuals here and was fortunate enough after finishing my law degree to uh, get my foot in the door as an extern in AMA. And uh, that became a full-time position. And I have been here ever since. And it's a testament, I think, to the uh, job itself, the um, opportunities that we have to see how these how these issues affect the division nationally. It's a testament to really enjoying that work that I've been here now for 10 years.
0: Yeah, and Emily, I think you have touched on a lot of different areas within AMA, and I think that's kind of a testament to what you were as a former student athlete, the heptathlon, <laughs> with the um, long and triple jumps being kind of like your, your bread and butter, so to speak. And so I think that's really cool about how much you've grown To and and how much you use from your time as a student athlete at Brown to even law school at at Notre Dame. Um, So now diving into this legislative process, what is it and why Division
1: I? Yeah, Chris, one of the goals that the Transformation Committee identified during their holistic review of, of the division and how to position the division to be more responsive to the the changing needs of the division was to try out a new legislative process that would allow the division to more nimbly and efficiently change rules when when they need to be. So they were very much looking for a way to try that out and figure out more long term what the what what the right process looks like. So that is one of the reasons that right now it's being called the pi- a pilot program, because uh, again, so it's not yet right legislatively codified the process. It's been built by those um, in the the membership governance structure that have a lot of familiarity with our old process. They helped design the the new way that the division this year is going to advance ideas as, as legislative proposals. And the, the goal is, again, to try to see if what we've, what that group built over the past spring in response to the transformation committee's recommendation and goals to have a more responsive process is that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll learn from it and we'll figure out if this ends up being the, the right way for the division Um, And its own kind of subject matter experts within the division to make changes more efficiently and effectively. Then, then this would become something that would be codified probably a year from now. But what I'm guessing more likely to happen is that we'll we'll try this pilot program out, and we'll learn from it as we go. And there will be touch points along the way where I'm sure that the membership will provide input and that will be uh, that's again why kind of the purpose of why it's a pilot and we'll be able to hopefully incorporate that feedback and make those changes a part of what would become the the truly more codified formal legislative process moving forward for Division one.
0: And, and you mentioned more responsive and more nimble. But I do also think that there's um, a part to this where it's also helping membership understand what is coming through the process as well. Um, by giving different avenues at which legislation can be proposed and shown with the membership before it's voted on. I think that when I read through some of the educational documents that your team has put together, I think that was something that I noticed along the way. You briefly touched on it, some of these committees that are you know, going through this pilot process. Talk to us about which committees those are and, and why.
1: Yeah, great follow-up, Chris. So during the pilot program, the Division One Council is going to provide autonomy to the existing sport committees that are currently in the structure so the division 1 men's basketball oversight committee the division 1 women's basketball oversight committee and the division 1 football oversight committee so those groups right already exist they i think all of them have already have legislative subcommittees so they're very familiar with how to develop legislative ideas and traditionally you know in the past they would put those through the regular council governance structure. But now in this pilot program, those sport committees have certain areas within our legislation where they can adopt rules, propose and adopt rules on their own. There is a check in that system, which is effectively if football oversight, for example, adopts a rule change within one of these areas where they now have authority, their decision to change that rule will still be on the council's agenda at the subsequent meeting following the Football Oversight Committee's action. And that at least gives the, if for some reason, the council overall felt like that change was not appropriate or to the benefit of the Division I, there'd be a mechanism for them to check that action by the Sport Committee. Obviously, the reason behind providing this um, authority to the Sport Oversight Committees is that they're composed of people in the membership who are very knowledgeable about the issues that affect those sports. So the council just felt like this was a really good thing to try out, like let's let the basketball committees, for the most part, advance changes legislatively that are unique to their sport. And again, like I said, there's a check in that system that if for some reason a a sport committee was to go too far or be too out of sync perhaps with more general rules, there there is a check in that process. But I think this is a really interesting, this is, a, I think, an interesting and hopefully, uh, you know, more productive way for the division to uh, allow the those with subject matter expertise to have a lot of ownership over their rules. And as I mentioned earlier, Chris, you know I think we'll we'll learn along the way if there's if this the way we have this process set up today is providing the right amount of notice to the membership so that they, they know, you know what potential rule changes football or men's or women's basketball are considering and that there is enough time built into the new process for those changes to be implemented on campus.
0: Awesome. And, and so to summarize here, it's, it's really like the the old standing committees now have the ability to kind of put the legislation in front of council. Um, where it's introduced and then later on can be voted. And I think the, the notice, right, along the way is between the two the two council meetings. And if, if possible, I'd like to talk through maybe an example of one that happened in June. Uh, the committee that I help support, the Football Oversight Committee, is, is looking to eliminate the annual signing and initial counter limits. Your team's done a great job putting out the, the popple for uh, the rest of the membership to understand, hey, this was introduced in June. So talk to us about next steps with let's just use that one as an example. Yeah. Uh, it's introduced in June. What what can the membership uh, look for between now and in October and beyond?
1: Yeah, thanks for using that as an example, Chris, because um, the the popple that is associated with this this first cycle of the pilot program was published and it contains the proposal that you just referenced That is was introduced by the Football Oversight Committee. And so, that's a good one to, to tease out because since that proposal contains an area of legislation, specifically By-law 15, that is not within the areas designated for sport oversight independent action, that is a proposal that will be in this first cycle of the pilot program, but it is still one that will go to the council in October for action as opposed to, Chris, one of the other proposals that football oversight introduced um, pertaining to spider pads. Spider pads. (laughs) I wanted to make sure I I stated that correctly. But that that proposal, as opposed to the one that you you previously mentioned about counters, is is within the scope of rules that, that football oversight has the autonomy to potentially change itself. So that is a proposal that potentially could be acted on by football oversight at the end of August. That's that's kind of the midpoint of this new these new mini cycles, the October cycle is what we're calling this first one. And so if football oversight adopts the spider pad proposal at the end of August, it will be again as I mentioned on the council's docket in October, but if the council has has no interest in reviewing or revisiting that action by football oversight, it will essentially become final and effective after the October council meeting, if that's if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's it's essentially keeping an eye on the the council meetings as well. That frequency of the meetings is going to be important, right, for the introduction and then later on whether or not the vote or the adoption of legislation will be subsequent meetings following that so really keeping an eye on those meetings is very important and along the way and to our audience i'm sorry i broke my only rule in this podcast and i referenced an acronym popple means publication of proposed legislation um i do know that you've mentioned this before we're learning as we go too this is a, a new pilot process right uh as the membership but you did mention when we talked uh on the way down here about other educational initiatives that AMA is going to work on to help everyone understand what's going on. Talk to us a little bit more about what's what the membership can look forward to.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. We are trying to get as many resources out that uh, explains again what we're what we're trying out this year in this new pilot program. There are, in an immediate sense, uh, on the legislative actions and issues page, there is a very detailed document. Um, that, that hits all of the minutiae of the, the process that we have today and that we're trying out. Currently, there's also a summary document that highlights the dates of when these introduction, publication, potential standing committee action will happen within these three first cycles of the pilot program, Chris. So those two resources are already on the legislative actions and issues page. We hyperlinked that in the LSDBI announcement about the popple, But obviously, we are also going to provide more additional ways of, of talking about the process and trying to, I think, hone in on areas where we've already received some questions. So we're planning to record a presentation about the process. The other part that will be, and this is similar to efforts, Chris, that we did in the old process, but this will happen more frequently because these, in the pilot program, we're going to have these cycles occurring three times during, during this academic year. So, for example, in September, we will do a, a legislative kind of proposal webinar that the membership has the ability to join so that they have a very clear understanding of the application of these potential rule changes. So, again, we used to do that when we had, right, just our one kind of annual process. So we'll plan to schedule that in advance of the October council meeting so that, again, the membership has the ability to understand the proposals that potentially could be adopted in October. And they hopefully that helps them not only understand how the rules would affect them on campus, but if they're in the position of advising any of those who sit in the governance structure who are trying to form a position of support for a proposal, help those individuals make informed decisions before October. So, and then following October, for the rule changes that potentially do happen as early as that, or get affirmed, for example, the football spider pad proposal that we just talked about, Chris, we intend to produce some simple kind of visuals that illustrate the basics of those rule changes some may be familiar with how we did that when we were using kind of the modernization track to advance a lot of changes in the recruiting space a couple of falls ago and I think that those were well received by the membership so we're looking to continue to produce content like that that again is is really consumable by all those in the membership who would be affected by these rule changes and not just necessarily compliance
0: yeah I love those charts i.e you know as the football oversight one of the liaisons. I do keep one of those as well, even with the new one, uh, the new process, working through keeping those dates and keeping an eye on what's coming around and what to expect out of each council meeting. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and coming on the podcast to talk about the new legislative pilot process. Um, And to the membership, uh, keep an eye out for these educational initiatives that Emily and her team are putting together, um, specifically the one that's upcoming, as well as taking a look at that question and answer document that's posted on LSDBI. Be on the lookout for the next episode coming later in August. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Chris.